catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, hello, good evening, and welcome to your Thursday night edition of the Wrestling Inc. podcast. I'm your host, the content machine, Liam Crowley, joined by one of my favorite crews to share this virtual stage with back again for the first time in, I believe, a month. For the first uh, to my immediate left, the man behind the machine, Wrestling Inc. founder and owner, Mr. Raj. Gary Raj, it is always a pleasure to share this screen with you just about every single week. How are you doing? I'm doing good. How about you guys? I'm good. And I just want to say your hair is looking good. I see you adjusting it all over the place. I, I think the the slightly messy look is working for you. So I'm a fan off the top to just my got far out of the shower left. and put it together. So it's a little, it's kind of annoying me, but <laughs> Thank I, I think you. you're, I think you're looking good to my far left. We got a man covering up his hair with a nice little under armor hat. You've heard him on busted open radio. You've seen him inside the international international wrestling cartel ring. It's Mr. Justin Labar. Justin, it is great to share this screen with you once again. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. Great to be back uh, with 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 you, Liam and, and Raj again. Uh, and there's there's very little hair. That, that's not really, you know. I, I was a little late to the uh, to the keeps party. Didn't jump on keeps early enough. Fair enough. Well, hey, here we are to talk about a bit of wrestling news, but also we're going to venture into the world of entertainment. That's what we do on the Thursday night edition of the Wrestling Inc. podcast, half squared circle half Hollywood and this week the Hollywood side of things it's something that I know Raj has wanted wanted to do for a very long time he's been giving Justin a hard time about not seeing this movie we're talking Rocky 3 in the back half of this edition of the Wrestling Inc podcast but before we get there we have some pro wrestling news to dive into starting things off with that new performance center class WWE officially announced earlier today a brand new batch of recruits heading over to the Performance Center, going to report to NXT 2.0. Eventually, some names that stuck out, Fallon Henley and Kayla Inlay, already a part of that NXT 2.0 brand. Other familiar names, the one that everyone's going to be talking about is inaugural Ring of Honor Women's Champion Roxy. We also have indie wrestler Nikita Knight, indie wrestler Jake Tucker, Santino Morella's daughter, Bianca Corelli, indie wrestler Cole Carter, and indie wrestler The Notorious Mimi, as well as some other mainly athletes. Raj, I want to go to you first. From this Performance Center class, and I feel like I already know the answer, what's the name that stands out? Uh, well, yeah, there are those two. Uh, uh, Roxy, I believe, you know, she's uh, she's got the credentials. Uh, I, I see big things for her. And, you know, Santino Morella's daughter, Bianca Corelli, she's also, I feel like she's got something. I've seen uh, some of her stuff, and she's she's got definitely a, a star power to her. So uh, definitely those two. For sure. And Justin, how about you? Any names that stick out? Uh, well, yeah, I mean, there's two of them that I have a, 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 a personal kind of, you know, hope 
to see how they do that are from right here in the Pittsburgh area. One's is Pittsburgh and Nikita Knight. She is a just just got finished high school. I mean, so she yeah, but she's been on the scene uh, here in the Pittsburgh area. She's 18 years old. So, um, you know, you know, obviously always rooting for rooting for somebody who's who's here from the local scene. And then Cole Carter, uh, he uh, came up with us here at IWC Wrestling. Um, I was uh, he, he's a he's a young man who he's not quite as young as 18, but he's still he's still very young uh, in phenomenal shape. I mean, he has got um you know he he is built but he is, is a hell of a baby face you know the girls just flocked him he has a baby face repertoire he can do it all but he's got impact um you know i mean i i was on the receiving end of a suicide dive from him about eight months ago i mean he, he can he's got a he's got a pretty pretty interesting repertoire so i you know i'm keeping my eye on obviously on cole and wish him luck and then you know the other more uh known names that that, that raj just touched on so this is a, an interesting mix of a class it is yeah. an interesting mix, as you mentioned, athletes and pro wrestlers. We do have our first super chat. I want to highlight here from Joel Wood. He says that seems like a lot of independent workers for a company that supposedly, quote, wasn't hiring indie workers anymore. I would push back on this a little bit because I was doing some digging and seeing other PC classes in the past, and it seemed to be more 80-20 in terms of the split between indie wrestlers and athletes. Now it seems a lot more athlete-focused Raj, did you notice the numbers kind of changing with this PC class? Well, I think what Joel was referring to was there were, you know, uh, reports that WWE was completely stopping indie wrestlers and they were only doing athletes. And, you know, I, I kind of wonder with some of those, if people um, and maybe even some reporters took that the wrong way, like maybe they're not looking for the quote unquote indie wrestler type, but they would take someone that looks like a star that is on the independent scene, you know, like there is a, a, kind of the, the stereotypical indie wrestler and maybe that's not what they're looking for, but they are, they will be taking talent off the independent scene. Yeah. I never interpreted it uh, as maybe the way that Joel was saying and how Raj is alluding to, I think, you know, they WWE knows, you know, that still where the conflict takes place is still in a quote unquote wrestling ring. And so you still have to have your eye on people who already have some level of training, passion and understanding of that part of the, the, the of the entertainment. Um, but, you know, like I said, you know, Nikita Knight, you know, 18 years old. So you, you get them while they're young and they can still you can still mold them in the direction of WWE once. I think the way I interpret at least the um, wasn't hiring any more indie workers they're done with the days of hiring a Samoa Joe or somebody who is a top name everywhere else. And is going to come in and they're going to pay an immediate, you know, six figure uh, price to, I think those days for now are done. Uh, You know, you can be somebody who has, you know, worked on the Indies for several years in the case of some of these guys and girls, but just know we don't care what few titles you might've held in whatever organizations you're coming back in, you are bottom of the barrel. You're making, the starting money and you're going through the different level of classes. So uh, you're not coming in. Your indie fame is not going to buy you an immediate main event in NXT because, of course, NXT is not that anymore. So uh, that's how I interpret it, Joel. Yeah, you kind of took the words out of my mind there because, as you mentioned, too, some of these indie wrestlers, they're not the indie wrestlers or they don't match that definition that a lot of people associate with people being on the scene for 10 plus years. Like someone like Sammy Callahan is technically a former WWE superstar. No one treats him like a former WWE superstar. Nikita Knight, 18 years old, only competing on the indie scene for a couple months. Roxy saw tremendous success, but she's only 21, I believe. So I still think they match 
the credentials with what WWE is looking for in terms of going after younger talent that have proven stuff, giving them some potential early on. They just want to tap into it a little bit more. Raj, I have another question for you based on this class, though. What is the ceiling for whoever you see as being the most successful? If that's a Cole Carter, if that's a Roxy, where do you see their ceiling being in WWE as a whole, not just NXT? I mean, that's that, that totally depends. I mean, it could be, you know, uh, a couple opening matches at NXT and then you're gone or not even making it to NXT or headlining WrestleMania. I guess it all depends on uh, how quickly you take to it, how, you know, how the fans react to you and what kind of booking you're given. And, uh, you know, there's just so many things that can happen. Yeah, uh, you know, so many things can happen. You know, injuries, uh, and you know, just and then a million other things in terms of you know, is it working for you? Are are you willing to, gr- you know, grind it out for however many months or years at whatever pay, living in whatever townhouse in Orlando with with roommates and all kinds of things? But I will say this: I do think, obviously, there's going to be you know, out of this class, probability is not all of them are going to make it onto NXT television. Probability is maybe a third, right? I, I will say, I think now, given the way NXT 2.0 is and how we're seeing things restructured within the WWE umbrella, I do think if you make it onto NXT television consistently, I do think there is more probability and the ceiling is raised that you will at least get some reps on Raw or SmackDown. Whether or not you get over on Raw or SmackDown, whether or not you get a, get a cup of tea there, uh, and a cup of coffee there, and, and you're cut or whatever, but I do think now, you know, if you do make it on NXT TV regularly, it's a whole lot more likely you will make it to Raw or SmackDown for some tryout period where that wasn't the case in the past. Yeah, I, I like that. I, a lot of people saying to, you know, the whole revamping of NXT, kind of going away with NXT as a third brand, going back to the developmental days, but making that road to the main roster a lot more smooth in terms of the pavement and, and whatnot. I, I will say, I don't know about high ceilings for some of these people on a main roster, but one thing I'm confident in saying is I see Roxy as a future NXT Women's Champion. I think that is almost a given based on this class, just based on her talent. I was fortunate to represent Wrestling Inc. at Death Before Dishonor this past fall, and we got to see Roxy live in person, and she was just a wonder to watch in the ring, and then it made me feel bad that she was somehow younger than me. And I know I'm the resident young guy on the site. When I see someone being that successful at an age younger than me, her ceiling is unbelievably high entering wwe at this age i think is only going to aid her and i think she's uh built for success and i guess we'll see in the coming months because she could be on nxt v sooner than later given her experience with ring of honor and all that let's move on though to outside of wwe aew and new japan a relationship that's been you know speculated on ever since kenta showed up in I believe it was the summer of 2020 on AEW programming. And then occasionally we'd see some crossover. We saw Tomohiro Ishii uh, once in a blue moon, I believe. We also got to see, why am I blanking on his name? He has so many matches. Minoru Suzuki. Minoru Suzuki obviously had a big run in AEW. And it got some speculation running on whether or not we could see a full-on show between these two companies. Well, Nick Housman of the Wrestling Inc. Daily had both Rocky Romero and Luke Gallows on the show earlier today and he asked about this joint uh, super show that could potentially go down between AEW and new japan and rocky said and i quote i mean anything is possible for sure i know that it is what the fans want it's definitely still really difficult for us because we are two touring brands in two different countries referencing new japan strong and new japan proper we've got the u.s touring brand and the japanese touring brand which is constantly touring it's just hard logistic wise for sure but if AEW is open to it, 
I think New Japan would be open to it as well. Justin, I'll go to you first. Pretty general question. Will this ever happen? New Japan and AEW sharing the stage for one giant show. Yeah, I think it's very likely. Um, maybe it happens a little bit later than it would have otherwise uh, as we watch, as we continue to watch and see how this, how COVID-19 is, you know, are, are we getting towards the end of the pandemic? But I do think at some point we will get that. It's It just seems inevitable. You know, Tony Khan is, uh, he, he's, you know, he's, he's we, we've, we've seen him, obviously he's purchased ROH, we've seen him, uh, you know, have some NWA crossover. Um, I mean, quite frankly, this, this, this is just a complete, this is never going to happen as long as Vince McMahon's in control. Quite frankly, Tony Khan, he would probably listen to if the business made sense to do something with WWE, if they ever approached him, which as long as Vince is in control, that's never going to happen. But, but Tony seems very open to working with anybody. He doesn't, he doesn't acknowledge and or he doesn't pretend and not acknowledge that there's not other companies. Um, so yeah, I just think this is natural, especially with the fact that he now owns ring of honor. Um, that, you know, when Ring of Honor was owned separately, that might have been maybe one sticking point of, uh, okay, are we going to see AEW and New Japan work together and not Ring of Honor get in the mix because Ring of Honor has had New Japan, you know, joint shows. So now that Tony has both, I think it's, it's absolutely inevitable. Um, you know, how it gets done, you know, is, is it like, you know, is it like the January 4th show you, you see over um, in, in, in Japan or how they do it, where they do it, all that stuff? No clue. But it is inevitable there will be some mega show in the next you know few years. Yeah, I mean, I could definitely see it happening. I think it makes, you know, like Impact working with AEW, it never made sense to me from the AEW side just because I felt like they had nothing to gain. And, and really, ultimately, when you watch what it you know what happened they really didn't get in anything other than having gallows and anderson show up you know with kenny omega but outside of that it didn't really make much sense but new japan it, it does you know you can you, they have a ton of talent that they could send over to J japan to work there they have a bunch of talent that could come here uh as far as doing a joint show i could easily see it happening um i do think a lot of the buzz for new japan has gone down since AEW started and since the pandemic, kind of a combination of the two. I think AEW fits a lot of the stuff that New Japan audiences were looking for, uh, fans in the U.S. were looking for. And they've gotten a little cold. I mean, you look at, you know, they're back on access and you look at the kind of numbers that they're doing. They did 50,000 last week, uh, 50,000 total viewers. And, um, you know, I, I just think it's really cold right now. And, but I think doing a joint show with AEW could help heat them up again, especially here stateside. It could be fun. And I agree. I do think it is something that will happen eventually. It just depends on the scope of it in terms of how much New Japan talent will migrate over. Will this be a straight up Survivor Series-esque thing? You know, Raw versus SmackDown, all only New Japan talent versus AEW talent, kind of like War of the Worlds, which what was uh, what Ring of Honor used to do a couple of years ago. A question I have for you guys now is kind of doing some fantasy booking with a potential New Japan and AEW joint show. Raj, I'll go to you first for this one. Any dream matchups you have between AEW's current roster and who we got on the New Japan side of things? I think Danielson versus Okada uh, comes to mind. Danielson versus Will Ospreay. Um, Kenny Omega versus Will Ospreay. Mm -hmm. uh naito versus cm punk i mean there's some really cool cool ones you could do um yeah just you know again it's also booking who wins and who loses because i i know tony khan doesn't want whoever's aew champion losing to the iwgp champion and uh so you know that's that becomes a whole different thing but yeah there i mean there's there's a ton justin thoughts 
Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I I know of Okada and Osprey. I've seen some of their their bigger matches, so I, I can totally relate to to what Raj has said. But you know, I don't follow New Japan well enough to feel like I can best gauge what's going to be deemed as a dream match. I also then you know I'm the pessimist, I guess, to the AEW or New Japan diehards where I will then ask the question when 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 asked what's the what's the dream match if these two companies work together. You have to work about the politics of who's going over. It's also a matter of like. Where is it? Where is it taking place? You know, what, what's the audience? You know, because I mean, there, there's again, if, if you're a diehard, you have, you know, putting Will Ospreay or Okada in there with with some of the big names over in AEW, that that is a big deal. But it, gets, it goes back to that thing of like you're trying to draw in new fans and not everybody's going to be familiar or understand the gravity of what it is to somebody who, who does follow the, the all these promotions globally. So, uh, you know, where it's at, what it's trying to accomplish. Is it for free? Is it a pay-per-view? That makes a big difference. Are, are, I mean, if, if it's to free, you really got to think about, okay, are you trying to, you know, what can you get some new people in? If it's something you're paying for and you're uh, you're relying on the on the hardcore, you know, different scenario, then yeah, then I, then I think you can get a little bit more into the, um, you know, into the end of the weeds. You don't need to explain as much. You can just assume that everybody that's paying the money knows knows everybody. Um, so I, I really can't give a, a, beyond what Raj said again, but I really can't give much more because I don't think I'd have a fair gauge of what is what's worthy of dream match status. Yeah, who goes over is the big conundrum, and that's going to be a very difficult thing And whenever these kind of joint shows come up. I know it's something that whenever War of the Worlds was going on, that would be a big conundrum of you know dividing uh, wins and losses because each company is going to want kind of an even amount of 50-50 split, and they're going to want certain guys to go over and maybe be okay with certain guys losing. A, a guy I want to see in an AEW ring 100% is Will Ospreay. I don't really care who he matches up against. I just think he's money. I think he's built for American television in terms of just being on cable week in and week out. And yeah, him versus Omega would be something special. Him versus CM Punk. I know that's the guy he was calling out for months before Punk returned to the ring. Him versus Danielson would be really cool. Uh, very recently was calling out John Moxley. I think that could be a fun matchup, kind of lean into Osprey's more hardcore side. I don't know. I'm a bit of a, an Osprey junkie, as you can tell. And I'm sure I'd love to see guys like Okada and Tanahashi and Ishii also. But Osprey is the money name. And I think having him in the main event against whoever your top dog is and it is in at AEW at that time, I think that'd be money. Uh, Raj, I'm getting some reactions. From Slide you. the camera uh, to the right so we can see the Osprey posters you have. On <laughs> <laughs> All the posters are it's it's an empty wall. They're they're over in uh, in Syracuse. I was just gonna say, Jay, you know, Jay White is someone that would have been in that mix. I think like six months ago. I feel like him coming in and working Impact and uh, kind of doing these really minor uh, things on AEW TV has kind of brought his buzz down. But he he's someone else I I, I would have put in that mix. Mm-hmm. And Gorillas of Destiny, too. If we're going to talk some tag yeah. team action, Tama Tonga, Tonga Loa, I think they'd have a banger match with FTR. I think a nice little scrappy fight. No flips, just fists, as FTR likes to say. I think it could be fun. Um, but one guy we know wouldn't be on that AEW New Japan Super Show is one Joey Janela, an AEW original who never really got used too much on television. He had that whole storyline with Sonny Kiss, mostly used on Dark and Dark Elevation, announcing, I believe it was on Denise Alcido's podcast or her YouTube show, that he was not intending to renew his AEW contract, which kind of contradicts what he was saying in previous weeks where, you know, oh, we'll get to that eventually and just kind of brushing it off like uh, re-signing was inevitable. But hey, here we are, Joey Janela possibly being uh, one of the first to depart AEW, aside from Cody Rhodes, obviously. But 
He's a guy that was at that AEW announcement press conference. He was one of the bigger signings when they first announced AEW coming into fruition, given his history with booking his own shows, Joey Janela's Spring Break and all. Uh, news that honestly didn't take me by surprise, given the fact that he hasn't been utilized too much on AEW television. And if there's not interest from AEW, there's likely not interest from Joey Janela sticking around a company that doesn't want to use him too much. Uh, Raj, I'll go to you first on this one. What are your thoughts on Joey Janela possibly likely leaving AEW when his contract expires? Um, it, it, you know, when I heard it, it just it, it, it kind of seemed to me like he was saving face a little bit. Uh, they clearly hadn't been using him. He clearly wasn't in their plans. Um, like it, Baker Mayfield requesting a trade today. Right. <laughs> so, you know, it just, you know, and when you, there have been a couple, you know, uh, Marco stunt was released, uh, you know, you, or not released, sorry. His contract wasn't uh, renewed when it came up. So you, you kind of see um, the, the wrestlers that aren't being used and you can kind of feel the, the lay of the land uh, on who might be staying and who might be going. And, uh, you know, at some point AEW has to start cutting back a little bit because they have so many people on their roster that aren't getting TV time. You know, Joey Janela, he had stuff here and there that they looked like they were starting him off with. He had that thing with Sonny Kiss. I think they blew it off on a TV match, maybe. I, I, I already forget. Yeah. Uh, they seemed like they were te- uh, teasing something with him and Kip Sabian, and then that kind of went nowhere. No, you know, it's uh, it, it just seems to me like they weren't going to keep him. And it, whether it was ultimately Janela's uh, decision or not, they weren't going to anyway, is what it feels like to me. Yeah, I mean, look, he was a, you know, he's one of the foundation got, you know, first talents they announced at that press conference, right? That pep rally. Mm-hmm. And at that time, and mind you, the talent pool was far more limited, uh, at least in America. You know, WWE had not yet gone on the releasing, you know, splurge that they, that they would later do you know Janela was a bigger name to get just because he he had he was so entrepreneurial and he had his you know he had his spring break stuff you know he was a name out there he was you know, one of the kings of the indies we'll just say so it, i understood them you know, you're trying to build a company and you're trying to just get talent and get a get a following uh so i understood that but you know it quickly be, kind of became that realized you're right that it, you know whether it was his look whether it was his commitment to improving his look and his style and being you know valuable for them it just yeah it just felt like it never quite clicked i i wonder if joey understood the opportunity he was given and it's like okay dude you don't this is not you know show up for one pay night and and jump off something crazy like this is it's a little more a little more corporate a little more business i i don't know but i I do think it was a saving face i think i think he was probably informed by tony khan hey your contract's coming up and i'm you know thank you for your contributions but we are not going to be renewed it and i and i think tony khan probably if tony, if tony truly knew that he wasn't tony is the kind of person who's going to give you proper notice so you can start making plans beyond uh and then i think that's where janela's tune changes okay well i'm not going to be back there uh I, I have a hard time believing that joey janela even if not being used regularly i would hope not but maybe his business mind is just different <laughs> i would hope that he wouldn't like you're going to a steady paycheck, even if you're not having to take bumps or even, okay. Yeah. Maybe not on dynamite, but you're, again, you're getting a steady paycheck and you're getting far better treatment than you're going to get having to, you know, hustle each weekend, be a weekend warrior. I don't know. I just, you know, I, and, and maybe, maybe to him, he thinks, Oh, I want to be, I want to go be King of the Indies again. Maybe that's where his mind works. And he thinks that's better. I guess, again, power to the courage of, of the entrepreneur, but, um, 
I don't know, man. I, I, you know, I saw some of the stunts that he did on the Indies, some of the, the, the crazy hardcore stunts. And it's like, dude, you don't have to do that. Nate. I mean, again, you're getting a paycheck and, and I don't know. I'm not surprised though. They just, yeah, they just never, they never, uh, what was the biggest match he had? Didn't he have a match? Didn't he have a, a Moxley match? That's probably the biggest one, right? I was Omega. Moxley's first match. Well, he had a, yeah. 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 He, he had the big match with, uh, with Moxley was his first match. I believe it was on either, uh, uh, one of the early shows that they gave away for free that they ended up turning into, whether it was, uh, a fighter fest. That's what it was. Fighter fest. John Moxley, Joey Janela, big hardcore match. But yeah, we have a comment here uh, from Isa. Isa in the chat, NYC Demon Diva. According to him, no one has communicated with him. Yeah, I did see in the interview him mentioning the fact that communication was kind of just cut off, and he was just kind of not really hearing updates. And while you know we might speculate on whether or not he was trying to save face here. We recently heard the whole thing with Chavo Guerrero, where he found out he wasn't really a part of the company anymore because his roster page was moved to alumni. And that kind of caught him by surprise. So maybe this is a running theme with AEW, that there are some communication issues. Uh, Raj, what are your thoughts on that? Well, you know, that's where, uh, you know, Vince McMahon, he has his bad guys over the years, whether it's Jim Ross or, you know, someone who could be the guy that tells people that they're not going to renew their contracts or, or that they're going to be released. And it, look, I, I'm sure it's a lot better for them to hear it firsthand that they're not going to be used or they're not going to be uh, renewed than to find out, you know, on the internet. So, you know, Tony Khan's got a billion things going on. He, he probably should have someone put in that role, uh, you know, and, and not deal with all talent one-on-one. Yeah. It's not, a, it's not a WWE situation. It's not this giant machine. It's not a, it's not a giant writer's room tony is taking the lead on the creative uh yeah he doesn't have a john lornitis or or you know i mean he has qt marshall is really instrumental week to week with him backstage he has a lot of the other veteran names are are instrumental in terms of working as agents or whatever but formally yeah he doesn't have like like in WWE, like unless you are you know a certain name um if you're getting cut you know right now it's it's back to lornitis right or not john lornitis the guy that's gonna make the call and tell you that you know so yeah I, i think People, I think Chavo and Joey Janela, they, they got in on the ground floor when it was still a startup and Tony's responsibilities maybe weren't as crazy as they are now. And now, you know, Tony's got a lot going on. So there's only, there's only so many hours in the day. And I have to imagine he's going to take the phone calls first of the MJFs and CM Punks and the Britt Bakers and, and the people in, that he's making money with right now and he's an active booking with right now. That They're, they're probably going to get the first call back before he calls Joey Janela back to talk about the creative that they're not doing. So, yeah, we have a comment here saying that Janela was a dark mainstay. His last dynamite match, I think, was against Hangman like six months ago. And if memory serves me correctly, I do believe it was that long ago, which is kind of crazy. We have a couple super chats here. First, uh, from Terry Allen Jr., who he says, Was Scott, so- was Scott Hall soft spoken? Love the outsider theme. Um, I do, do either of you know uh, Scott personally? Did you get a chance to interview him? I mean, I, I've spoken with Scott personally. I've, I've met Scott in person. Really cool guy, uh, but you know he's going to be different with wrestlers he's worked with and friends. I mean, he's had real life fights. Um, you know, he had a famous fight with the Nasty Boys. You know, again, he, he was always super cool with me. Um, and you know, he doesn't really like the wrestling media, so I remember being a little nervous with Scott, uh, when we, the first time we spoke and he was super cool. We've had him on a couple times after that, always really nice, but you know, like with anyone, he, 
he had his demons in the past and and he had his issues but um it was it, it's hard to find uh someone that so many people in the industry love and i think today you, you see so many of the young talents because they would talk to scott hall at you know at the performance center and he'd come in and talk to talents and he was always really giving with his time and really supportive and i think you know he he changed a lot of the stuff he had back in the day and I think he was a really positive force, um, you know, for for a lot of people. Justin, how about you? Any Scott Hall stories? Uh, yeah, it's, uh, you know, we, we touched on some. I don't want to rehash all of it. For but I mean, like, yeah, I I, I was fortunate I got to be around him in a lot of different situations. Um, I would never really classify him as soft spoken, but he, uh, you know, he had just different moods. I saw him. I had been backstage at independent shows and, and picked his brain or watched him giving other people advice. I saw him in that role. I saw him being filmed by ESPN uh, when they were doing a documentary on him. I. I saw him in more private situations, you know, at the bar or restaurant. And uh, he, he definitely kind of to what Ross said, it, who he's around and the familiarity certainly is going to just change the tone. And that's kind of probably pretty universal for anybody, but he, the, the common thing is Scott was always had a, he always had a sense of humor. He, like he, whether he knew you or not, and sometimes it was even funnier if he really didn't know you that he would, the, the things that he would say that, that the people that are familiar with him and they've, a lot of them have been, have become pretty famous in the last couple of days about, you know, kicking out of your finish. Isn't that <laughs> like if you knew him, you just knew it was Scott, right? But if, if you did, if, if you were somebody meeting him for the first time and you hear him say this, and especially if you're the inferior one, which chances are you are, um, you're kind of like, is this a test? Am I supposed to like say something smart ass back to him? You know, so all the different situations uh, that I was around him, he always had a personality. I, I saw the volume level uh, alter. Um, but I, I would never really classify him as soft-spoken, no. I love to hear these stories, too. And I love, uh, as you mentioned, too, Raj, not many people are so universally loved in the wrestling community. And to see Scott Hall getting nothing but praise is lovely to see. One more comment based on the Janela situation again from Isa. <laughs> Thank you so much. What's worse, getting ghosted or getting a call from people power? So, yeah, what's what's worse between the two options, Raj? Any, any, any preference between getting ghosted by a boss or getting a future Endeavor call? Justin, you got a Laurinaitis impression. I don't, mine is Bruce Pritchard doing Laurinaitis. So <laughs> I only got one, but, uh, Raj, Johnny Ace here. Afraid <laughs> to tell you your services no longer needed. We're cutting you effectively tomorrow. People power. <laughs> Gotta go. Talk to you later. Yeah, he's Johnny Ace is hard. It's hard. To, <laughs> the, 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 that raspiness is hard to recreate. It, it hurts. Yeah, okay. Yeah. My, mine just hurt from doing that two seconds. <laughs> yeah, I, I would try one, but, you know, I want to continue with this show and keep my voice <laughs> intact. But, yeah, future endeavors, brutal call, but getting ghosted, not exactly ideal, considering I like to be in the know, you know? It's it's better to know than to not know. So, I don't know. Who knows what will happen with AEW going forward? Maybe they will get a John Laurinaitis <laughs> of their own, and hopefully we get an impressionable voice from, the, from them as well. I, I will um, say I do prefer getting a, a call even if it's from Lower Nights because you could definitely make your plans because then you're not wondering, <laughs> well, what if they're going to call me or what if they're just busy and they don't know? At least you just know you have that finality. That's mm -hmm. my personal preference. For sure. Well, let's move on to some ratings news, something we cover every single week on the Thursday night edition of the Wrestling Inc. podcast. First up, Monday Night Raw with 1.7 million viewers this week, a .48 in that key demo of 18 to 49, and number two on the cable top 150, down 4% from last week's viewership, up 6.7% from last week's .45 in the key demo, and down very slightly from last week's number one spot 
in the cable top 150. Raj, I'll go to you first. You're the numbers guru here on the podcast. What do you make of these numbers for WWE on the road to WrestleMania? Yeah, you know, on the surface, there's not there's not too much to it. Um, you know, it was down a little bit in viewers, but the 18 to 49 was it was one of their better numbers of the year so far. Um, one thing that was interesting is that how the first hour uh lost to the second hour and the third hour. Usually the first hour is the highest rated than the second. And then the third, usually there's a big fall off. So it was like the first time since June that the third hour beat uh, of Rob beat the first hour. And what does that uh, tell you? And what does that tell you? That the the fact that the audience was growing as the hours go on. Oh my God, it's actually going to happen. Here's the big, the big, you know, if you're on the, if you follow wrestling, if you follow wrestling Nick every week, but you don't necessarily watch raw live. And then you hear, you show up on Twitter and see that they pushed it to here's what the main event is in the stipulation. And you're hearing people chant Cody. You're like, Oh, here it comes. Yeah. (laughs) That's what it tells me. (laughs) There is, there is that. There is also, it was daylight savings time. And usually you do see more of a, you know, not as big of a gap from hour one to hour three, but you rarely ever see hour one to hour three. So I definitely think the Cody thing uh, definitely had a part to do with it. It was one of the rare weeks, uh, you know, without football that Raw uh, wasn't number one on TV. Uh, NBA beat it uh, barely, but uh, the NBA beat it. So uh, and, and the NBA beats up regularly, you know, when the playoffs didn't happen and everything. But, you know, for for now, it was a it was a rare week, but still, uh, you know, a good number for Raw for, you know, where they're where they've been. Uh, before we move on, big super chat here from Joel Wood. Thank you so much, Joel, for 10 bucks. He says, if you get a call to be released, at least you get likely 90 days to get your stuff in order and still get paid. If you get ghosted, you may not have any time to prepare yourself at all he makes a good point exactly what we were kind of saying i think the preference of having that time to get your situation in order definitely makes sense um, and the, the only the problem, problem with that i'm oh, sorry <laughs> sorry Liam. yeah i was going back to you <laughs> the only problem with that's getting released and and it's one thing mm-hmm. if you get a call for your contract not to be renewed at least you were kind of expecting to be there that period or you know with getting a release that could happen once you've signed just two months ago or so so there is a bit of a difference with that. But yes, I, I do agree that being given a 90-day uh, notice that you're not being renewed is the ideal situation if you're not staying with the company. Mm-hmm. Justin, I'll give you a little anecdote too because you mentioned something interesting about the viewership going up. When I was tuning into Monday Night Raw, I was at a friend's house. We we're sitting around a fire, a nice 50-degree evening, able to be outside for once and enjoy the weather while also roasting some marshmallows. And as soon as that segment came up about Seth Rollins saying he was going to the ring, I said, guys, we got to go inside. <laughs> we got to put on Monday Night Raw. And I never do that. Raw has very rarely become appointment television for me. If I'm sitting down and it's 8 o'clock, sure, I'll turn it on. But if I'm busy, I'm going to catch the highlights on YouTube the next day. And so to have something like that grow as the hours go on, grow as the weeks go on. I feel like people have been tuning in to Raw just to see if Cody shows up with no other interest in any other segment to see it actually have some numbers behind it, not just be for the diehard audience, I think that is pretty telling. So, Justin, I'll go to you with some AEW viewership, though. 993K this week, up 5% from last week's 945, a 0.38 in that 18 to 49 demo, which is down 5% from last week's 0.4, and number six on the cable top 150, which is down from last week's number one. Justin, your overall thoughts on AEW's numbers this week? 
Uh, I mean, the demo stuff's always hard for me to tell what what is dictating that. But I mean, just the overall viewership being up. I mean, this was a show that had a lot, you know, a, a lot advertised for it. You know, two title matches. Um, you know, it, so I just felt like you know they always this was just really well advertised what they had. So I mean, I, I guess the viewership being up, I'm not surprised. I, again, where it ranks week to week, you know, with dealing with you know coverage of a war, national coverage of a war, uh, March Madness getting ready to start. Um, you know, a hockey season's going on. I, it's always hard for me to tell what, where they're going to fall each each Wednesday for what reason. But um, but yeah, I, I'm glad to see this number was up because again, with how much they had uh, building um, into this dynamite, I, I would I would hope so. I would be worried if the overall viewership was down. Yeah, and, and they were up against you know, and the NCAA and the NBA, um, and, and they're they're always up against the NBA. So the NCAA would kind of be the new competition, um, you know. The Har- the Hardy's first match back. It was mm-hmm. the first uh, episode since the Hardy's came back. I think I think Dynamite is this is just kind of where Dynamite's at. Um, that million viewer mark, uh, you know, cl- give or take, you know, fifty thousand, and then that point four zero mark. And the, the, you know, this week there was it was one of their lower uh, eighteen to forty nine demo ratings of the year. They did a point three eight. It was their fourth lowest of the year. Overall viewers was in the middle of what they've done since the move to TNT. But, you know, these are, if you're kind of compare them to Raw, you, it, you just really can't. It's AEW is kind of its own animal, but for what it's, you know, for being the top on cable some weeks and just being right behind the NBA, it's, you know, I, I, I would consider these good, but and they're up year to year. Of course, I mentioned this every week. Year, last year at this time, they had NXT competition. Once NXT moved, there was a big change in, in the numbers. So, and we're going to start stop seeing that NXT bump in a couple of weeks. And they also have the big lead in. But overall, you know, they are still up year to year, and that's you know that's a good thing for a wrestling promotion. We have another super chat here from Joel Wood, a five dollar super chat. Thank you so much, Joel. He says, Justin and Raj, do you both of you think that Cody Rhodes shows up? at mania 38 also it is way too late in your life to have just seen rocky three justin so joel doesn't care about what i think about cody rhodes showing up at mania but he wants <laughs> to go to you guys uh justin i'll go to you first uh do you think cody rhodes does show up at mania 38 and if he does is this his debut no if he's at wrestlemania 38 i think it's advertised i, I think and I, and I really do think the deadline's got to be this monday um you know, you got two Raws left. So I, I think if he's going to be at Mania 38, you're going to know about it. It's going to be the advertised match of he and Seth Rollins. If that's not it, I, I think then you can, everything else is possible. Maybe you're looking at the night after Mania because that's always a big night for a reset in their calendar. But um, I don't see them, I don't see them, I don't see them doing the Seth Rollins has a mystery opponent tune into WrestleMania and find out. I just think that. I, I, me personally, I, again, I'm, a, I'm, I'm big on while surprises are nice at the same time, you know, it's one thing to have like <clears throat> the, the, the worst kept secret and CM Punk show up again on an AEW dynamo or an AEW, um, rampage, uh, rampage. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, where, where again, it, it, it's everybody in the wrestling community. So it's the worst kept secret WrestleMania two nights in, in, in Cowboy stadium. WrestleMania is always built on grabbing people that maybe that's the one wrestling show they watch each year, uh, both attending and, 
watching at home. So I think you just need to spell things out. WrestleMania usually just doesn't doesn't build on see who the surprise opponent's going to be. You need to spell things out. Um, you know, even if it was Seth Rollins calling out Cody Rhodes, which is why is he going to do that? Because Cody, you know, it would still be he would be calling out and he'd be waiting to see if he shows up again, much like Raj and I've talked about John Cena calling out the Undertaker. So I think in this case, you want to advertise Cody Rhodes, you want to advertise he's going to have a match. So uh, for that, uh, he could be at Mania 38, but it would not be his debut, uh, his debut on television, re debut, I should say. If, I, if, I, if I'm a betting man, I, I see, I think Cody Rhodes is at WrestleMania, and I am a betting man. <laughs> I don't know where to put put that money, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I do think he'll be there, and I think it'll be Seth. And if it's not, I think it's Raw uh, the Monday night after. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be Seth, but I think it's going to be an open challenge. I think they're going to wait, and I don't think that they view Cody as being someone who's going to bring in pay per view buys. I think they already see that happening with new audience members, with your Logan Pauls, with your Pat McAfee's, with your Stone Cold returning. I think they already have enough to bring in those once a year viewers per se, or not pay per view buys, I should say, Peacock subscriptions. I think they can still afford to do a Seth Rollins WrestleMania open challenge. And then we kind of go from there. Well, and to your point, Liam, they, they don't gain anything from Peacock buys. You know, if they, sure. it, it, if they get extra peacock buys or a ton extra, they don't get any uh, incentive. So it'd be the ticket sales. And you might I think you might be right. I could see Vince thinking that Cody does not make would not move ticket sales. So it might be better to be a surprise. I could see that. But uh, I do think he'll be at WrestleMania. And one more yeah. thing from Joel Wood, who keeps sending in so many super chats. Thank you so much, Joel. He says the Hardys at Mania 33. Yeah, that was a comparison I was thinking of. The only difference there, though, is that was something that was only speculated on the internet. Like, that match was set. It was a triple threat tag team ladder match, and then we made it a fatal four-way, and the Hardy showed up. If you advertise Seth Rollins as having an open challenge where he only wants uh, a nightmare of an opponent, like, you know, like, do the worst-kept secret thing, but, you know, not CM Punk on Rampage, Cody Rhodes or WrestleMania, I think it could work uh, much to the, the success of what the Hardys was at Mania 33. Yeah, and 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 like you said, Liam, you know, Joel, that you're right. That it was there was no oh, there's another team. Nobody knew there's another team publicly until the New Day comes out and says that. Uh, the Hardys also had other part of it too. Was you know the Hardys were you know parties were in Pittsburgh a month earlier, getting all their medical and all their stuff that that WWE requires the talents to do. So WWE knew that they had the Hardys for weeks in advance. But part of the deal was the Hardys were adamant about finishing up the other gigs that they had, they had other, I mean, they had a match the night before WrestleMania, they had other gigs mania um, leading up to, and the weekend of mania. And they were adamant about finishing them. They also thought, let us, you know, if we pull out of these, it's, it's a huge red flag to the wrestling world. Let us finish. these. It's going to make these, the appearance that, uh, that much uh, cooler, which in fact it was. And then, Oh, by the way, they made their debuts. This is something not everybody necessarily knows. They, they, so they, 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 uh, Five days or six days after WrestleMania 33, they were scheduled to be here wrestling in Pittsburgh for us at IWC at a big show that we do each year. And they and they and they were sure that everything was gonna be fine. Well, they make their debut, place goes crazy, it's still renowned as one of the greatest mania pops ever. Mm-hmm. Vince was so taken aback and, and, and impressed by the pop. The next day, Matt Hardy tells us we're not gonna be able to do the show. And I said, I thought we had this covered. But then he ends up talking to the office, blah, blah, blah. Moral of the story, um, I get back at Pittsburgh a day or two later, and, and Matt tells us, okay, we can do the show, but we can't work the match. So we can do the meet and greet, we can do a promo, we can put over, we can do, do everything to satisfy the audience and ticket buyers and blah, 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 meet and greet, but we can't bump. 
Vince does not want to risk us getting hurt. So like my point telling you that little backstory is Cody could, you know, maybe Vince doesn't think Cody is going to move numbers or whatever. So we don't need to advertise him. Cody could show up and this could be the most buzzed about thing in a two night mania. And Vince might all of a sudden have Cody winning the world title a week later. <laughs> you just don't know that like, literally that's, that's how fast this could change. Yeah. yeah. I like that anecdote. And Joel would another super chat. Thank you so much, Joel. He says Undertaker versus John Cena at Media 34 is the precedent I should have used for Seth, not the Hardys. Well, I think both work uh, in what he's going for, but I think that there is a way to kind of merge the two in the sense of making it an open challenge. Not Seth calling out Cody, because I just don't see how that makes storyline sense because he's calling out an AEW guy and we don't expect him to say AEW on WWE programming, but still... I think that there's a way to kind of meet in the middle. I think we should venture now into the entertainment world. I know you guys are both buzzing to talk about this movie. Before we get there, though, <laughs> another super chat. These super chats are just rolling. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Uh, Steven says, does Rock close WrestleMania with a stare down with Roman? A follow-up question I have uh, for either of you. Has the Stone Cold segment been announced for night one? Night one. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. For that reason, I do think Rock closes night two. I don't think they put both Rock and uh, Stone Cold on the same night. But, man, talk about two visuals on two nights of mania. Raj, what are your thoughts? I I have my doubts just because I, I could see them not wanting to promote a WrestleMania main event that they're not sure they can deliver on. And I, I just don't think Rock versus Roman next year is a short thing because Rock has so much going on. He's going to be running a freaking football league at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, there's just so much going on that I don't think they'd be 100%. And that's almost something you save for later in the year when you're more certain that it's going to happen. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of agree. It, it seems like it's the perfect thing. Roman is just on such a roll with his title. I mean, he's up there now in the top five of title runs in length. Next year's Mania is in L.A. I mean, that's the Rock's town. So it all lines up that it should happen. But like Raj said, it just seems like, and it's crazy to think, but that you can't you can't get him to say for absolute sure that in 12 months I'm absolutely going to be able to do this particular day. But that's just how in demand and how many factors that could change the schedule. So I'd love to, I'd love to see it. It'd be a huge end. Um, and, you know, look, we've seen them with the Rock advertise a Mania a year out. We saw it with the John Cena stuff where they would advertise a Mania main event 12 months out uh, so it's not unprecedented but uh even then that was back you know 10 years ago and the rock is even bigger of a star than he was then so he opened the super bowl he opened the olympics he introduced team usa at the olympics he's another level of star now so i will say the reason why i'm gonna bet with my heart and not my head on this one is because roman's reign right now feels very comic booky in the sense that every time he beats someone, he gets a little post-credit scene. John Cena shows up at Money in the Bank. Hey, I'm your next opponent. Brock Lesnar shows up at the end of SummerSlam. Hey, I'm your next opponent. What bigger post-credit scene to close WrestleMania than The Rock showing up after Roman beats Lesnar, hopefully clean, hopefully establishing him as unprecedented levels of dominance. If you smell Rock stare down, I don't know. I think that could be money. I almost think if you do it, you almost have to do it as soon as you can, like SummerSlam or Money in the Bank. Those are stadium True. shows. True. But I almost think you can't count on it for Mania. So if you do it, you, you want to get that match done, uh, you know, sooner rather than later, even though that's a WrestleMania dream match. It's a dream match, much like Clubber Lang versus Rocky. That's a transition for you. Rocky mm-hmm. 3, we're talking it here on the Wrestling Inc. Podcast. Raj, I know it's something you've wanted to do for a very long time. 
I'm not too familiar with the beef about Justin not having seen this movie, but I've been following it on socials as close as I can. And I have seen Rocky three. I recently revisited it in preparation for this podcast, but I feel like my attachment to this movie is much less significant than say Raj's. So Raj, I want to ask you off the top, what is your Rocky story? Well, I just think Rocky in general, the Rocky series is pro wrestling. You have your your baby face, your colorful heels, the booking of it, you know, how you how you book the baby face. Ultimately, the baby face wins. And then, you know, the colorful heels along the way and how all the booking makes sense. And it just is pro wrestling. And so that's why I, I'll have so many analogies at times when, uh, you know, they bring someone in and they beat them. Like when they brought in Karrion uh, uh, Cross and, and beat him right off the bat. And it's like in a Rocky movie, you're not going to have Clubber Lane come in and lose his first match. I mean, that's just bad storytelling. And I always felt like Rocky was the perfect pro wrestling series, even though it's not pro wrestling. And, you know, I have to agree. So I, I watched, I hadn't, the only other thing I'd ever seen, I obviously people I haven't been living under a rock. I know, you know, I know the Rocky music. I know, I knew who Apollo Creed, you know, I knew all the, 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 the basic stuff, but I never, the only other Rocky thing I'd ever watched is I watched Creed a couple years ago mm-hmm. and watching Creed and not having seen any of the original Rockies, but they kind of basically give you what you need to know. And I still enjoyed Creed. And so I was, I was that made me willing to do this homework assignment from Raj <laughs> and having just seen Rocky three, I can absolutely see what Raj means. I mean, it absolutely felt, uh, pro wrestling, uh, with, with, with almost to the point of where I, one of the notes I wrote after it was done, I was like, this movie was just so basic, but simple, but effective. Like it, it wasn't a very complicated. It was, it's like, <laughs> it's like Rocky's high on top. Rocky's going to leave like a Terry funk. Nope. They're going to pull him back in. He's cocky. He loses. He trains again. Comes back. I mean, it's, it's a very just basic thing. <laughs> and so his, his I, old number one nemesis trains him. Right, right, right. It, you know, it was, it was, it was, it was, uh, it was really fun. I'll tell you what. I, obviously, I, I know part of why we want to do Rocky Three because it has uh, the pro wrestling crossover. So, okay, so Hogan, so Thunderlips. The thing I found interesting, and I'll give you the order of what I saw this is. So I'm watching this match. You know, the whole thing with you know, it's supposed to be like the the, the publicity stunt, right? Of you know, he and Thunderlips, and 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 Rocky wants to kind of just let's put on a show. Thunderlips is you know kicking his ass, and then. I'm just gonna call him Hogan. This sounds ridiculous. Like Thunderlips. And then Hogan's cool with them. Hogan's cool with them after the fact. Is willing to take a picture, and he just says, "He's like, you know, that's the name of the game." Basically, it's saying like about how you, you'll work. And I find this so interesting because this is 19. The movie's set in 1981. I think that's when they said that. I think that's what the gravestone says for for when Mick dies. But this movie comes out in 82, right? 1982. So for wrestling fans that don't have the historic reference, this is still three years before. WrestleMania. This is the same year that Vince McMahon that you know buys the company from his father. The same calendar year, and so wrestling is still very much the kept. It is. It's real. There is no sports entertainment yet. I found it very interesting that Hogan is on this number one movie, basically just saying this is all a big show coming from the pro wrestling world. And then as I look more into it, I knew that Hogan was fired from Vince Senior, and it turns out this is the movie. And him doing these scenes it, it went against, I guess, his contract. And that's why Vince Sr. fired him. And then, of course, Vince Jr. famously rehires him later and then makes him the focal point of WrestleMania 1. Uh, I said so this is just fascinating to me that, that, that Hogan basically is like is basically talking about kayfabe in 1982 <laughs> in a box office thriller. Yeah, real quick, a couple of uh, chats here. Ryan Ramirez saying, love the show, guys. Rocky 3 is the best one of them all. 
and Mario Morales saying, I hated Rocky III because we never <laughs> got the Rocky versus Thunderlips rematch. Um, Justin, to that point, when you're talking about Hogan in the movie, how much of it did you know going in? Like, you knew he was in it. You probably knew his name was Thunderlips, right? I knew but did you know, like, the scene was kind of that long? Like, no. it was, okay. No. Nope. I, I knew he was Thunderlips. I knew he was in it. I didn't know. I, yeah, I didn't. I didn't know how it was going to be. I didn't know if he was going to be a reoccurring character the whole movie. Didn't know anything. Yeah. So apparently, that whole scene took ten, ten days to film. Uh, that part where uh, Rocky throws Hogan out of the ring, he couldn't lift him, so Hogan had to basically jump in his arms, and uh, Stallone tossed him. But Stallone, you know, doing his own stuntman work, uh, Hogan, they they pretty much did that whole thing. They they weren't using stuntman stuff for that whole sequence. It was wild too to see like Stallone looks small compared to Hulk Hogan, which is crazy because he was absolutely shredded come Rocky three, Rocky one and two. He's buff, but he's not as cut. And in this movie, he is cut. He's got kind of the movie star hair too. Um, but yeah, standing opposite Thunderlips, Hulk Hogan. Um, it was just kind of shocking to see a little bit of the size difference. I will say though, compared to the the previous Rocky movies, this one does kind of dive a little bit more into the campy side of things. I understand why pro wrestling fans love it. And for that reason, I went in with a pro wrestling mindset, a pro wrestling lens. And I found a lot of enjoyment in, as you mentioned, the, the former nemesis is the one that trains him against the new arch enemy which I think is really cool. Stellar Justin Lopez sending in a super chat. Thank you so much, Justin. Always tuning in to the Thursday night streams. He says Rocky basically became Apollo in this movie. He let fame and money get to him, which ultimately led to him underestimating his opponent. I love that analysis. And I see Raj nodding his head along. Anything you want to add to Justin's point? No, oh, absolutely. I mean, the, the parallels were there. And uh, yeah, because they, they they opened with that whole sequence when I or the Tiger is playing and you have him. And and that's a, a lot of that's actual footage, like Stallone with the Muppets. That was an actual appearance Stallone did on the Muppet show. So a lot of that was actual uh, Stallone footage that they used in, and they didn't create it for this movie. But um, yeah, I mean, it totally was. And I, I thought it was a, a great parallel to, to Rocky one. Yeah. Uh, this was, you know, when we were when I was talking with Justin and uh, we were talking about like the first Rocky movie for him to watch. And, you know, it, it's one of those Rocky one, one best picture. It's a classic, but it also for a lot of people, it's a little slow now uh, for, you know, for them to watch it the first time. And I know because I, I try to get a lot of people to watch it and they do and they usually like it. But usually it's three and four that are the. They're the fast paced, you know, Rocky four is like a, a music video, um, but they're fast paced, easy to watch. Um, they, they don't drag. And uh, that's kind of why I chose this one. Yeah, no, it moved. It was easy to watch. It was. Um, yeah, no, it was fun. And I, I love digging into movies, any movie I love doing in, digging into the behind the scenes or the trivia. You know, I was reading about how apparently, um, you know, uh, Carl, Carl Weathers who plays Apollo, apparently him and Mr. T legitimately like, didn't see eye to eye when filming they were having problems and so like they had apparently had like some kind of dispute or blow up off camera and then not long after the director says action and that's when like it's the first matchup between clubber lang and 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 rocky and apollo who's doing commentary like walks to the corner of clubber and clubber like he goes to shake his head and clubber like apparently that there was like that was a little more aggressive than it was called for in the script. Like, you know, it was like real life tensions kind of bleeding into the movie. So I don't know. All this stuff's fascinating. I, I'm glad I watched. It. I really am. And I, I will now at some point I'll go watch one and two just to um, get myself back in line. You got to watch four as well. And then, and then once you watch four, you got to watch Creed two. Cause they're, they're tied mm -hmm. together. Um, 
Yeah, I want to see four because apparently three was supposed to be it. Like Stallone said three was it. And then I guess because three did so well, Stallone's like, all right, let's keep it going. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and four was supposed to be it. <laughs> and then so was five. Uh, and then, so you know. <laughs> same thing going. Same thing with the Police Academy movie. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but you know what's funny with Mr. T? I, you know, I saw that too with him and Apollo not getting along during the movie. It's, this is Mr. T's first movie. You know, he uh, apparently like there were over a thousand people that auditioned for that role. So it's surprising that he would kind of risk, you know, uh, his first big, big movie opportunity uh, by getting into it with Creed, but you know, with Carl Weathers, but apparently the, yeah, apparently there was some tension there. Another interesting thing, cause I'm a big karate kid fan is that you're the best from the ending uh, fights, fight scene in karate kid. Uh, that was originally meant for this movie. And then Stallone decided to can it for Eye of the Tiger. So if someone is great at doing video and ever can ever do Rocky Three opening with You're the Best yeah. instead of Eye of the Tiger, uh, make sure to send that to us. <laughs> a retweet. That'd be very fun. We have another super chat here from Justin once again. Thank you so much, Justin. Uh, he says, you're 100% correct, Liam. The quality of Rocky movies dropped off after this. I know we all love Rocky Four. But it's a bad movie with flaws. Uh, it's been a minute since I've seen Rocky for Raj. I feel like it's fresher in your brain because I feel like you've probably watched it so many times. Uh, what are your thoughts on, on Rocky Four? Well, I actually just recently watched Rocky versus Drago, which was the Stallone recut it and, and re-edited mm-hmm. it. And it's actually a better movie if you're looking at it as just a movie. But Rocky Four is one of those movies you, you could just work out to. You, there's not <laughs> much dialogue in between like montages. And it's... Uh, it's it's just a, a, a slice of the '80s, like it, it, at its extremes, and so it's great for that. I love that. That's fun. Maybe a future edition of the Wrestling Inc. podcast on Thursdays. We dive into Rocky Four, but you mentioned too Creed is one of my favorite movies of the 2010s. I thought that uh, little franchise they have going on with Michael B. Jordan, which I think they're working on a third one. Don't quote me on that uh, just yet, because I know Ryan Coogler is busy with Black Panther these days, so it's kind of all in Michael B. Jordan's realm. But the Creed, the first Creed movie, I really enjoyed, and the second one is also a very worthy sequel. So I feel like the the current Rocky franchise has a bit of adrenaline going these days. Um, so it is cool to kind of go back and see where it all began, see the foundational aspects. And I also just love seeing how passionate uh, you get, Raj, about these movies because it reminds me of like how I feel about the Marvel movies. And it's a generational thing of like the different genres of film and how you kind of get attached to them as, chi- as a child. And it just kind of grows with you, which I think is really neat. Yeah, no, no, I, I, I love these movies. I could watch them anytime. And, and the great thing with three also is it's kind of right in the middle of the end of the 70s and the, the coming of the 80s. Granted, you know, it, it came out in, in 82, but there was still some 70s, just 70s ish stuff in there. Like the first training montage when, you know, he's he's basically doing this media blitz and Mickey's getting irritated. You know, it's got like a 70s theme to it. And then you also got Eye of the Tiger in this movie, which is just 80s greatness. And so it, it kind of has both and uh, which, which made it kind of fun. Justin, before we wrap this up, I want to get your biggest takeaway from your Rocky three viewing experience, because I know you've been nagged on to watch this movie for a very long time. Did it live up to the just I don't know, months, years of hype that's been building. <laughs> no, it did. Like I said, I had it was it's easy to watch. It's like a you know, hour and a half or something. You know, it's easy to yeah. watch. It, it moves fast as, as you guys are noting earlier. So it wasn't hard to to get through. It never there was never a point where I was like, you know, 
picking up my phone, bored, whatever. Like it was entertaining. I have my biggest takeaway. Uh, like I forget, I've heard like the quotes and things like that. I just Stallone's accent, his this the, the Italian stallion Philadelphia accent, uh, of especially like when especially when um they're on the beach out in California and it looks like he you know and like it looks like Apollo's just gonna give up on him. You know, Rocky doesn't have it. And and Adrian's like you know interrogating him uh, to get him to open up about his fears and, and what he's feeling. Him just trying to open up and be that intense and that emotional, but he's still with the accent. It's just ridiculous. Like at one point, I rewound like one minute. I, or, like I know the dialogue for the next minute. I rewound sixty seconds back, and I just shut my eyes and I just giggled listening to what he was saying. <laughs> Speaking of that, the second beach scene where you know where they're training, uh, Apollo threw that race, didn't he? Because you know, when they're, when they're running, you know, when Stallone's got his juice and everything, you know, when he's all pumped up after the Adrian talk, they're running on the beach. Stallone's running, his face is like coming off. And Apollo, he looks like he's, you know, he's just jogging. I think he threw that, uh, he threw that race. I think he let Sly win. Conspiracy. <laughs> yeah. My my biggest takeaway is something that I don't know why I blanked on until the moment happened because I've seen this movie before is that ending scene. It's something that's done so much in film nowadays with just a freeze frame. You know, we don't actually end up seeing who wins. And I believe they hit Eye of the Tiger as the credits roll once again. And I just thought it was cool because I did that like Leonardo DiCaprio gif where you sit up and you point you're like, oh, that's that's the thing. That's the thing that all Hollywood films do these days. That's the trope to see the tropes origins. I thought was pretty neat. And it's revealed in Creed who won that fight because it was never revealed until Creed when uh, Michael B. Jordan, you asked him in the in the diner. He's like, so who won that fight? And then Stallone said he did. So, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that line went right over my head uh, in my I guess my, <laughs> I haven't seen Creed in a while. But wow. Yeah, I guess I guess we do know. So that's I guess thing, the, that's one thing when I watch Creed, I didn't understand what the hell they're saying. <laughs> we find out 30 years later. Oh, I know. <laughs> Well, hey, now you know. And that's the Thursday night edition of the Wrestling Inc. podcast. Right as we cross the one-hour mark, you know, talking wrestling news, talking Rocky. We're going to have fun each and every week, breaking down things within the squared circle and outside of the squared circle. Uh, Raj, do you have something to say? I was going to say, next week, we're not going to be doing one of these. Next Mm -hmm. week, it's going to be a special edition of the Wrestling Inc. podcast. And Justin, uh, you can tell us more about it, but the return of CSR. Yeah, the one-night return. We're going to do Chair Shot Reality uh, as a video podcast that uh i myself and a great crew of people we did for eight and a half years it was a little bit ahead of its time when it started um in, in 2010 uh but we haven't done it since 2018 and we're gonna bring it back for one night we've had a lot of awesome requests and fans and and I, we just figured you know the landscape has changed so much since 2018 you know with aew and we're we'll be nine days away from wrestlemania two night wrestlemania with all the different things of austin and maybe cody this felt like a, a the right time to do it so uh timing plus you know raj being nice enough to grant us the uh wrestling platforms for us to basically take over thursday night and also the biggest element really is that for 400 episodes we shot them in a tv studio which is great uh, great quality but they were shot and they were you know post-produced and edited and put out over a weekend uh each weekend and this will be the first time that we're gonna do a it live it'll be just like you're watching this now it'll be live you'll have the ability to you know have your comments be uh, part of the conversation and, and we had such a great fan base like, around the world and we met so many of them over eight years from australia to uk to wherever so this will be a chance for us to engage with the entire world at, for the first time under the chair shot reality brand have such a good time doing it with all you fans on all these other wrestling podcasts on mondays on wednesdays uh so to do it in the csr gimmick will uh, will be fun so we're looking forward to it big things i'm excited to tune in myself justin i was going to 
tout your social media and let you know you can follow, let people know they can follow you at Justin Labar and ask you what you going got going on. But I guess that is kind of the big project. Anything outside of CSR returning next Thursday that you want to plug right now? Yeah, no, yeah, the big CSR plug. Uh, we haven't settled on a time. Probably 8 p.m. is what we'll go with Easter time. But uh, that next Thursday, so we're looking back. We'll be sharing all kinds of videos on social. Uh, Luke Gallo is doing his best Festus impression in a promo that we, you know, Matt Hardy, Vince Russo, Britt Baker, who was a co-host to start out. We, we have so many great guests. We're trying to share as many videos just to kind of remind people, take them down a trip down memory lane. So check that out next Thursday. But otherwise, besides wrestling Inc. stuff, I'm on Busted Open as always tomorrow morning, 10 a.m. Eastern if you listen live or you can listen at any time on the SiriusXM Demand uh, app. Um, myself, Dave LaGreca, Mark Henry, as we spar with Labar is what the segment's called. Big things. I love it. Raj, you can follow him at RajGary underscore 303. Anything special you got going on with Wrestling Inc. that you want to shout out? It's WrestleMania season, so there's just tons of stuff coming up. And also for this Thursday podcast, you know, we were talking about other stuff we want. So definitely let us know. You know, we're talking about maybe Scream, uh, Succession, Dexter. So let us know what you, uh, what you want to see. And, you know, we'll tr- try to pick one of those topics one of these Thursday nights. Yeah, my homework list is just growing. I got to jump into Dexter. I got to finish Succession. I actually did start it, and I'm very much enjoying it so far. And Scream, that new one, I'll put it on the list as well. You can follow me on socials at below, at Liam T. Crowley. Make sure to support Wrestling Inc. both on the website and on social platforms, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Daily Wrestling Updates coming your way. And we got that cool clip from Rocky Romero talking about the potential New Japan AEW crossover going on that page very, very soon. But for all of us here, that's your Thursday night edition of the Wrestling Inc. Podcast. Tune in tomorrow for a SmackDown review and next week for a Chair Shot Reality reunion. We'll see you next time. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.